Just wait. No time to wait. Very busy. Across the multiverse, I've seen thousands of Evelyns. If you can imagine it, somewhere out there, it exists. The only cure for the everything bagel of nihilism is some googly spoiler man eyes. This is Spoilers. Hey everyone, this is Pappy. Doing a new movie. We're recording this on Memorial Day Eve 2022. We've got a... Now they're going to know how long it takes us to put out an episode. Well we, done. We've we've done this before. We'll set the stage. Uh, the Lord of the Rings were recorded circa 2018. So glad we finally <laughs> got those out. But we're here to talk about a brand new movie. So hopefully get this out before 2023. Everything, everywhere, all at once. question for our fellow hosts we're going to go with a three-parter as requested by josh Corey hated this opening question so i'm giving everyone some options three-part opening question do you think multiverses exist which multiverse would you want your life to be in this is the sky is the limit your imagination if you could live in any reality what reality would you make yourself Corey thought that was a bad question and last but not least, did you have any movie theater experiences? Josh has a movie theater story he's oh, itching to tell. Josh, let's start with you. Tell, tell us where you're recording from, too, on top of that. Really a four-part question. Four-part question. Let's go. This is Josh from Goshen, and there's nothing like a built-up story to let everyone down, Pat. So <laughs> I really appreciate that. He said, you will not believe no, the I words didn't. I'm about to tell you. It's going to be the best <laughs> Three minutes of podcasting. So go ahead, Josh. The next 180 seconds are yours. This is a life. I don't know how many people out there listening to this or just in the U.S. are feeling this way, but even if you've seen a couple movies recently, like The Batman or Morbius, God forbid, <laughs> going, yes. going back to the movies right now feels somewhat novel. Um, I felt like I hadn't been in there for forever, but really it only been like a month or two. And a guy, we had like that classic comment guy in there and he was pretty money. He laughed at a lot of good parts during everything everywhere. But the classic moment from him came during the, did you guys have the trailer for Top Gun 2? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. So the very end of that trailer, it's like this epic sound of a jet flying by, like, and Tom Cruise says something epic, like, I'll never let you down again. And like the (laughs) credits pull up and this guy, like two rows behind us, it's just like a silent theater. And he just goes, oh, fuck yeah, man. (laughs) (laughs) He's pumped. He was pumped. Everyone was pretty pumped. Everyone was kind of giggling too when he said that, but. It, that really set the stage for a great, great theater experience with this movie, Pap. And as far as your like really in-depth question about the multiverses, I don't buy this. I, there could be different realities, but I don't think there's like other 
me's. You know what I mean? Like, but I Josh, if if Infinite Monkeys typed at Infinite Typewriters, they could write out the whole Spoilers Man script at some point. I know. And if if monkeys with hot dog fingers killed the monkeys without hot dog fingers in like the initial battle, then we'd all be living with hot dog fingers, right? The initial battle. <laughs> Whatever that level. was. I don't know. High level philosophy. <laughs> the deciding factor of humanity. They call it the initial battle in history books. <laughs> it's the battle of Evermore, actually. Is what they're <laughs> Initial battle in the beginning. <laughs> like ten guys. There were monkeys with hot dogs. <laughs> this is a light. Many lives that could have been from uh, So yeah, just just one of me, and I I wouldn't be able to bear living in a different reality, man. I got like wife and daughters and stuff, and they need to be like the same ones that I personally raised so that's where i stand on the four part question there pat that's a very wanda maximoff answer you have there i made them (laughs) (laughs) i'll go next this is pappy recording from kalamazoo michigan like the primus song i agree with josh i don't listen it's fun to theorize about those infinite versions of yourself living in parallel universes i doubt that's the case an objective reality but i would love to live in a universe where i don't have hot dog fingers but everything's made out of pap dogs that sounds delicious <laughs> and you can just go to town eating Ew, this bro. microphone <laughs> my so desk so many nitrates <laughs> dude i ate three hot dogs today i took 21 minutes off my life if you believe uh, the powers that be but that would be my oh, ideal fuck. universe. And then my only theater highlight, did you guys have the trailer for Marcel the Shell with shoes on? Yeah. Did you guys? Dude. <laughs> I did not. I fucking love Marcel. I have been a huge fan of those YouTube videos for a very long time. I, I say the community says so for so long. I cannot fucking wait for that movie. Josh, did it pique your interest? It, it looks amazing, Pap, but I don't think I'm going to watch it, man. I it felt like... You're about to start oh. crying during the trailer. It, right. Oof. I don't, you know I don't like that kind of stuff. Too sad, man. He's a sweet boy. He but... pulls at your heartstrings in two seconds. Can't imagine what he'd do over the course of 90 minutes. Speaking of a man who pulls at your heartstrings, Corey, four-part question. Tackle it however you want. I'm sorry the question wasn't up to your standards, but do you think multiverses exist? <laughs> This is Corey recording out of Simi Valley, California. Marcel the Shell didn't do it for me, Pappy, but I did see, or I did kind of like predict or estimate, I guess, that that would be like a Pappy and Stevie thing. Mm-hmm. I was like, who the fuck is this for? Then I was me. like, oh, Pappy and Stevie. <laughs> it's for me. <laughs> Those are the guys. <laughs> uh, you know, Pappy, I wouldn't mind existing in the Morbius verse. <laughs> I'm kind of on a Morbius thing lately, as is everyone who has seen Morbius or even heard about it. It's, it's it's a cultural phenomenon right now. This movie Morbius came out starring the greatest actor of our time, probably Jerry Leto. Sweeping the nation. And it's, it, <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, we should probably just do a pod on Morbius tonight because, I mean, compared to everything, everywhere all at once, like 
Morbius is just so far above and beyond. I got to say that. You're hurting me physically. Theater experiences. <laughs> I have a Morbius theater experience. <laughs> so I went to see Morbius. <laughs> <It's> a- <laughs> That's the punch. Line. Please. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> there was like a fucking middle school field trip group of kids in this theater. There was like 15 of these fuckers. They took up more than a whole row. Bunch of little kids. Annoying, right? They're like saying swear words and you can tell, like there's there's no parents around by the way. So you can tell they're really taking advantage of that. They're like swearing excessively. Like everything they say is fuck or shit. Talking loud as fuck during the trailer. And I was like, these kids are gonna be talking during this movie. They're gonna fuck up my Morbin time. And I ain't having that. So when the the movie actually started, like officially started, and it showed like whatever the Sony logo or whoever the fuck made this movie, they were still talking loud. So I I shouted across the theater. I said, children, it's time to be silent now. Whoa. What? And they were quiet the rest of the movie. It worked. I was very surprised. I thought I was going to be fighting with these kids the whole fucking movie. But it worked out. Jeez. Corey coming in hot off the top rope. Just kid's 15th birthday party. Got to celebrate watching some Morbius. Just shut it down. They were talking, man. (laughs) There's probably a couple of those kids in the group that's like, yeah, man, I really wanted to see this Morbius. So thank God they're quiet. (laughs) (laughs) There's got to be at least one kid that was like super stoked to see it. I think the rest were just happy to be away from their parents. Speaking of a man who I've never heard say fucker shit on this <laughs> podcast, Film Dylan, big four-part question. Welcome back to Spoilers. We love having you. Uh, yes, tackle this you. however you want. Uh, any part of this question you wish to answer. Yeah, I'll do my best here. I'm, it's, it's kind of embarrassing. I had the most time to think of an answer here, and I've got nothing as far as what multiverse I'd like to live in. I think it's such an infinitely broad question that I was not able to capture something that truly uh, grabbed me. This is Dylan, by the way, from the podcast in the study. I kind of let that hang out there for a second. Uh, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I've heard Josh talk about this on Spores a couple of times. I'm more likely to subscribe to the, like, if anybody ever came up with a really like high def simulation of what the world is, then there would be simulations within that and it just keep going forever. I feel like even though I don't necessarily believe in that, I'm more likely to delve into that rabbit hole than the multiversal one. Um, if I were to live in one, I don't know, maybe I just pick the one from this movie not to get too ahead of things, but just be a rock, you know, just chill, look at some mm. nice landscapes. If there was maybe like an option where I can like switch my surroundings, kind of bounce around the world as a rock and just observe, you know, that'd be fun for a little while. Quite meditative. Um, would you have googly eyes? I would I would also have that be like a character customization. So like sometimes mm. you get to have the googly eyes. Sometimes you can just chill as just a plain old rock, you know, mix it up. But uh, <laughs> I, as far as the theater experiences, I've been fortunate. I need a knock on wood here. I've never had like a super bad or rude theater experience that's like detracted from a movie for me. I've never... Never experienced that, thankfully, and I'll hope that that lasts for as long as possible. However, when watching this movie, there was several moments where a guy two rows behind me, under his breath, whispered to whoever he was with, is that Jackie Chan? 
that's got to be Jackie Chan. I was like, bro, come on, man. <laughs> let's 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 dial it down a little bit here. Wow, but, it's like a bad parody movie. I know that level of like. <laughs> I was like, let's uh, let's yeah, let's rein that in. But I, I would say that's the worst it's ever gotten for me. It's just a couple of those offhanded comments. So nothing too terrible. Did you guys know the writer directors wrote the lead for Jackie Chan originally? Oh, so maybe this guy was just. No way. Overthinking at all. Yeah. He had done no. some reading. He was full yeah. he was full of crap, man. This doesn't sound like a guy who's done much reading in his life. No, I gotta be I honest. doubt it. Also, Film Dylan, I hate to tell you, if you've never had a bad theater experience, you might be the one giving other people bad theater oh, no. experiences. Are you on your oh, phone no. during Don't a tell movie? Me that. Yeah, the Is whole it? movie. No. <laughs> yeah, he's on, yeah, he's literally talking on the phone. <laughs> if, yeah, if the action dies down, I'll take a few calls real quick. But other than that, sending a fax, sure. connecting the dial up. Yeah, on hold with a government agency, <laughs> but on speaker, so everyone gets to be on hold with you. Exactly, it's shared suffering. Film Dylan, if you've caused this chaos in the theater, I want to start with you. This chaotic movie. <laughs> you said you were the least prepared that you've ever been for a movie podcast. Woefully. There's so much to dive into here. But where I want to start is the very baseline of this movie. We see Joy. What's Where do we start? What is her current exact situation? Because everything permutates from here. Yeah, it's sort of a... Uh, it's sort of a... I don't know. There's a little bit of tension within this family that runs a laundromat. I'm not sure. Do they ever specifically say where this laundromat is? That I'm I'm not too positive on. But I, probably in the valley because they go to Simi, which doesn't mm-hmm. seem too far away. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Is this the is this the best movie set in Simi Valley, Corey? I, Those were going to be my exact words, Pappy. You took it right out of my mouth. Best movie set in Simi Valley by far. <laughs> I mean, it's only competing with I think Paranormal Activity three. So I was going to ask what the competitors are there. <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. a stacked group right there. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Evelyn, she runs this laundromat with her husband, Waymond. And uh, I don't know, there's definitely some marital tension there. We early on see that Waymond's got some divorce papers ready to go, but he still seems to be kind of mulling it over. Um, there's also some tension with their daughter, Joy, uh, whose girlfriend is the subject of a lot of debate among the family, uh, including their, uh, the grandfather of the family. And uh, yeah, just right out of the gate, you just feel like things are not necessarily on the best terms. Everyone seems a little bit, I don't know if stress is the right word, or just like worn down from a long time, presumably running this laundromat and dealing with each other. Just not really on the best terms out of the gate, it feels like. A big part of it is their tax liability, um, which we'll get into in a second. There's a long intro here, though, where we meet Joy, we meet Evelyn, we meet the husband. Who's the, What's the husband's name? Do you guys know? I didn't have that written Wayman. down. Waymond. Wayman. Wayman. You know who that is, right, Pat? Who is it? Oh, get no. the fuck out of here. You, you don't know? know? Who is it? Bro, that was short round. Very funny, Dr. Jones. Cover your heart. <laughs> Dr. Jones. Oh. <laughs> he needs medicines. <laughs> Sorry. As I better knew him, Data from the Goonies, he was like a very no way. prominent uh, kid actor in, you know, I think the late 80s. He kind of like left m- movie acting. Like he was still working on movies. I think he's like kind of known as a stunt coordinator. But this is kind of like his big comeback as an actor. I think he went back to school for a while. That's pretty cool. I did not recognize him at all. Did you like his performance? Corey, was this a worthy comeback for you? Dude. 
I fucking loved his performance. <laughs> he's awesome. He's, he's so amazing good. in this. He, what he's asked to do is fucking insane. He pulls it off. first time the screen starts crackling and you see him from like the surveillance cameras like ducking and dodging and doing kung fu moves to like hide from people just to like grab a piece of paper and a pen or something that is like I I don't know the feeling that I saw watching that was so giddy after what the soft like kind of beta character he's been so far and it's just like boom flip of a switch I loved it yeah, I mean, he really shows off his, like, acting chops in this movie. Like, a lot of people get to in a movie like this, which is really cool. It's kind of, like, one of the great things that comes with a great concept movie, right? It really lets the actors showcase the different personalities that they reach for, you know, that we'll get to as we describe the movie itself. But I really liked him especially. He had, I think, some of the strongest emotional pulls within the movie. And where he starts too with like the baseline character, he he just seems like such a nice guy, and his kindness is kind of what makes Evelyn have her arc. But there's a long intro here. I don't think there's a title card. I don't think we get anything until we see the everything pop up about ten or fifteen minutes into the movie. which is where we start to get into that concept, Corey, that you were talking about. Can you explain to us what's happening? It's kind of matrixy. I think they call it verse jumping, but what's the basic premise here? Ah, motherfucker. How does it work? <laughs> <laughs> so it's really creative what they do with this movie, and that's that's part of like the joy and satisfaction that I get from this movie and that probably other people get from this movie too, I'm willing to bet. There's a multiverse premise. Now for those that are living in the past or whatever are old as fuck and don't know what that is, right? There's an infinite number of universes and the the man, Waymond, who's the husband of Evelyn, he's the first one that we get to see that jumps from another universe into this universe's body. So there's infinite universes and he's from the Alphaverse and he has come into this universe where this movie takes place and he's kind of like... Well, he has a very specific quest which we we learn as the movie goes on, right? The information is given to us in a very piecemeal fashion, but we first learn that he is interested in Evelyn and he is kind of educating her about what's happening in terms of like where he's from and that she has, I guess, I don't know if I want to say a destiny, but there's... Just say it, man. He, he's been looking for the one. I mean, is she the chosen one? Yeah, he's been looking for the one. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, thank you for picking that up. <laughs> it's it's kind of like that, but there's there's two the ones. Yeah. So I, it's not the one, it's the two. Big difference. A, di- a dyad? Yeah. All right. <laughs> But the joy the one isn't the joy from our Evelyn's universe. She's Jobu Jobu Topaki, is that how we say it? The 
big bad of this movie. But Josh, I want to come to you. You've picked the 46 Chambers of Shell, and we don't have Stevie here tonight. I think he's picked the only other kind of traditional kung fu fighting movie. How would you describe the style of the action here? Because a big part of this is you can hack in and acquire abilities from similar versions of yourself in other universes. Um, Did you like the action itself? Um, not to be too Lindsay Ellisy, but it reminded me a lot of Kung Fu Hustle. Uh, it's like outlandish, cartoony, but engaging mix of practical and CGI effects. I think like the two directors, like they, they've kind of made their living doing music videos and just like being really engaged in the effects. I know that they use adobe program after effects like themselves as part of the team that like does the special effects in this movie hi this is daniel kwan this is daniel scheinert and we are the daniels and we wrote and directed everything everywhere all at once all really well done and smooth and the reason it reminds me of kung fu hustle i think is because of how playful it is like they will be fighting in like maybe 80s clothes with like a butt plug as a weapon maybe (laughs) or or to like turn into a toaster and someone will throw a penguin um it's really just off the wall right anything can happen and we've talked before about like that feeling of watching a movie and you don't know what's gonna happen next it's pretty much the whole time during these fight scenes i'd say i think it's great too that it like it gets you there because the beginning is is very like focused on like this family and their drama and like i guess just the hardships that come with life in general right they run a small business and their apartment or house whatever it is is like connected to their laundromat and it's very claustrophobic it's a fucking mess there isn't like a single area of empty space within there and it's I, I, I've told people this before, like it takes a little while to get you there with this movie. So you got to like give it a fair shake um, because like when it does start becoming the movie that it is, it's like so outrageous. And like you said, Josh, like anything can happen. And that's that's a real big piece of the enjoyment factor, I think. Right. Like you don't know what's coming next. And that's fun. But even more than that, there's like a silliness and playfulness to the mechanics of this movie. Like at one point they say, like explaining how it works. And she goes, this doesn't make any sense. And he goes, exactly. That's the point. Like, don't think about it. Because to jump between universes, you have to do something silly or improbable. I did. Yeah. Re- you have to do like the most improbable action at that moment in time, or something. Exactly. Did this not remind you guys of Loki and like those little monitors they had of like people getting away from the center mass? Or do you know what I'm talking about, Corey? Like the 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 variant timelines in Loki. Yeah, the variant graph. And as long as you were doing, you weren't going like too much of a variance. You would like stay in that middle path. But if you did something weird. You would like show up and they would like come mess you up. Something like that. Appears to be a standard sequence violation. Branch is growing at a stable rate and slope. Variant identified. 
I beg your pardon. On behalf of the Time Variance Authority, I hereby arrest you for crimes against the sacred timeline. Hands up. You're coming with us. I'm sorry, who's us? Last chance, Variant. <laughs> like I said, I don't know if it makes literally any sense at all, but it doesn't <laughs> really matter. <laughs> you know, like, it's, it's the tenant not... mindset. Don't try to yeah. understand it. Feel it. <laughs> just, just keep feeling it. Just keep rolling with it. <laughs> uh, Film Dylan, we haven't talked about Jamie Lee Curtis. So all of this learning to jump, the learning of the mechanics of this movie happen in, in an unlikely place for excitement, the IRS office. Uh, oh, I thought you were going to say Simi Valley. Oh, well, also Simi Valley, <laughs> home of Corey. Arguably, Film Dylan, the most boring place on earth, a tax office in Simi Valley. Uh, what is Jamie Lee Curtis like? She is uh, quite the investigator. She has several uh, butt plug trophies that show that she is the best at her job. <laughs> um, which, by the way, was obviously a great visual gag at first. There was no part of me that thought that was going to come back around. So that's got to be one of the better payoffs of the movie. I'm sure everybody <laughs> tends to agree yes. on that. But I mean, I was like, that's it. I thought it was a great throwaway little visual gag and instead it becomes pretty essential. But regardless, yeah, she does not lose. And uh, I'm not a tax genius, but it seems to me that they're basically auditing this place. They've made a lot of purchases that they've written off as business purchases that aren't really business purchases. I think a karaoke machine is one of the, the big points of contention. Um, and yeah, it's just looking like it's going to be the end of this laundromat unless they can get some things squared away, which uh, with the state this family's in and their laundromat seems rather unlikely at the moment. And Jamie Lee is on the case, which was also a welcome surprise to see her pop up. I, I did not know she was in this movie coming in and she inhabits this role in a pretty fun way. Frumpy is a good word Very to describe her. She has a permanently like like hunched back she, I don't know. She seems unpleasant as a person to deal with. Um, she has a pretty prominent like gut, like a beer belly. Right. Yeah. I'd describe it as. Yeah. And I, I was wondering the whole time if it was fake or not. I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis is getting up there in age, you know. True Lies was a long time ago, but I, I got to imagine she's got like a fake chest piece of some kind. There's one shot in the movie I think that's like POV, and it's when Jamie Lee Curtis tells Evelyn to sit down. And we see it from Evelyn's perspective. And it's like, I feel like the directors just really wanted to shoot Jamie Lee Curtis in a POV perspective. Like we all saw Halloween like that. You know what I mean? Like mm. reliving that, like when she sits down. But Josh, all of these tax problems are kind of Evelyn's fault, right? You mentioned you're happily married and, and love your life here in this version of the multiverse. Um, Perfect. Don't you think, Everything. don't you, she's not the best wife though you know what i mean that's kind of her arc in a lot of ways to to be a better mother and a better wife yeah i mean i think it's dude she's the worst evelyn <laughs> they go <laughs> exactly. out of their way in all the multiverses it's made very clear that this is the most pathetic i think they say evelyn um you know she's cheating on her taxes and she's in the midst of getting caught her husband is like the nicest person on earth. She's treating him like shit. Her daughter is LGBTQ plus and she can't accept it. She's like blinded with fear from her father in a very unhealthy way and like kind of cowed to him. So yeah, she's 
there's no relationship. She's not kind of like actively fucking up at this time. Yeah, and and the, it's funny because she always assumes her husband is making things worse, right? Like she's not even present enough in the moment to understand that he's buttering up to this tax agent with cookies, right? She's just dismissive of everything that he's doing. Where in reality, it's like, dude, the reason we're in this trouble is you bought the karaoke machine and wrote it off as a tax expense. Like you're some kind of like singer when we own a laundromat. Like all of this is her fault, but she's not really able to see it at this point. Well, don't you think that kind of layer of the movie is maybe hidden the first time? Because I think you're so that conversation becomes like a backdrop of her starting to explore this multiverse in the janitor's closet. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's a lot coming at you too, right? Because at one point it's thrown out there that Jamie Lee Curtis is like targeting the Chinese community, which doesn't really seem to be the case, but maybe, maybe not. I don't know. There's a lot of like moving pieces when you're in this first chapter trying to like, wrap your arms around the movie and then Corey, it just goes totally insane when we start to see the job jobo to topaki i think i'm saying that right battle style i know <laughs> i know you love the always sunny music but how would you describe like some of her action sequence because it's fucking bananas like it's off the wall well before we even see her action sequences we get to see just like some uh, really great ones with Waymond. This dude has to be like a kung fu expert in real life or something, right? Like, I, I don't know too much about him. He's a stunt coordinator. That leads me to believe he's a credentialed martial artist. But even before like Joy's shit, which is like just chaos and very creative and cool, just like the classic martial arts that Waymond does using a fanny pack as a weapon is fucking amazing, dude. Like, it's so well executed and choreographed and just such like an entertaining time and you know like he he fights off the security guards in the building but you know they they slowly start to get up for round two and he fills his fanny pack with like what rocks from a fish tank to like make it heavier and like it goes even harder at him dude i was so fucking happy watching this movie especially (laughs) those scenes though that moment is so amazing too The, the movie is pretty action-packed, but it doesn't always be... It, I mean, it's not always like that, but when it is, it's just so good. Mm-hmm. One of the great laughs like in my theater was that first moment when that fight scene's about to go down where Wayman pulls out the tube of chapstick and slowly unwinds it and just takes a nice big bite out of it. And there was just kind of this great laugh of like uncertainty of like <laughs> what is going on all of a sudden. Like Obviously, that becomes the main mechanism for acquiring new skills throughout the movie but it's a, it's that first one that sort of breaks that ice that i mean that was just a great moment I was, that's where i was like all right i knew the general multiverse premise coming in how this is going to tie in i have no idea but i'm looking forward to finding out and that's what's cool about it right like the way the information is given to you the audience member like in the order in which you start to understand things is so fucking great and like the order in which they cut to flashbacks and other multiverses too is just phenomenal. Like the way I picked up 
what was happening at the time I picked it up. It was like, this is the perfect time to receive that information. I was just like so impressed with everything in this movie on the technical side, like the editing and the cinematography as well. Like when Evelyn first goes back and we see her jump between multiverses, like when she's kind of like pushed across the room in her chair, you know, and we follow her through multiverses across the room and it's just, it goes through it quickly, but kind of almost slow enough for you to understand that that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. It's fucking great. That reminds me of the storytelling device when they're kind of showing her face with a split screen each side in a different reality. Mm-hmm. And just what she as an actor is actress is carrying there as far as keeping the main story going and being in two places at once and the way they tell the story there of the multiverse and her kind of being phased in between. I just really, really like those parts too. I did have a question about that. They mentioned that they're in a burner universe. So this Waylon and uh, she just die. Wayman just die. Like, is he just like killing off similar multiverses? The ones that they jump to like, yeah, that one's already like bagel inhabited or whatever because ah, everyone okay. has like this circle on their forehead. So like that one's already like a dead prospect, I think. I, I do want to come back to the chaotic battle style with the Looney Tunes sound effects. But but film Dylan, Corey mentioned the bagel. Can you explain? I called it the bagel of nihilism. I feel like that's what that movie is going for. But what, I'd say that's what is the bagel? Yeah. It believes in nothing. I believe in nothing. <laughs> Yeah, so the the bagel is essentially this physical manifestation of everything that Jobu Tupaki believes in, which, by the way, I'd like to revisit at some point the significance of that name, which I have absolutely no idea why that's her name. <laughs> but uh, the yeah, it's sort of this physical version of everything that she believes, which is that the universe and everything in it, it's so vast and infinite and there's so much going on that it, in the long run, everything means nothing. Because like, how could you have something that matters in your life when it's just a simple speck in like this massive mosaic of the universe. So I don't know necessarily how this thing gets, I, I, I'm pretty sure it's explained. There's a lot of details that fly over my head at certain points of this movie because they come at you so fast or so out of left field. But uh, I don't know necessarily how this is brought about, but it's, it's, it's not good. And if it comes to the universe, uh, it's basically taken over and, and Jobu rules at the end of the day, essentially it can just destroy the fabric of space and time as we know it. But it's an everything bagel too, which is also hilarious. Exactly. But Corey, we're we're talking about, wait, film Dylan is Jobu Tupaki. You have no, I have no context of what that name means. I thought it was just like a method of masking who joy was until later. Is there any, I, I just Googled it. I didn't see anything. I think it's like similar, but not the same right so it's just a slightly different reality but this just popped into my brain i'm probably way off but jobu tupaki sounds much more like a 
non-American name than Joy. So I'm wondering if like, I think like the immigrant experience is so essential to the movie. I wouldn't be surprised if that like kind of plays into it. Like that version of Joy was Jobu and like her parents, her grandparents didn't immigrate or something. A lot of like Joy Luck, Joy Luck Club themes, right? With the like intergenerational relationships of Chinese immigrants to their children and how it's different from their parents' relationship to them. Um, but Corey, how goofy is the Jobu Tupaki battle style? I, I do want to come back to this. It's absolutely fucking insane. Like, it's so <laughs> silly. Like, I love it. It's like pure randomness, right? Because Joy, Jobu Tupaki, whatever we're going to call her, the uh, antagonist of the movie, she's living each universe simultaneously due to like a failed verse jump or whatever it was, verse jump experimentation, right? So uh, she's the one that's created the bagel. But when she's confronted in uh, the universe that we spend our time in, you know, she's basically taking out cops that are trying to get her out of the building and she's doing it in insane and creative ways. I remember she turns one guy into like confetti and explodes him. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, what does she do? She like beats another man with a giant dildo, which he like goes to hit her with his baton and it becomes a dildo. And she like takes it from him and obliterates him with it. What are some of the other things she does there, Pat? There's like a, a blow up doll or something. Yeah, she becomes like a flamenco dancer at some point too. And they're like in totally different costumes. There's like a spotlight at some point. That's right. Yeah. And I think at one point she like, there's like Looney Tunes sound effects. And so it's like borrowing from a lot of different forms of media. I like this kind of mashup that we're getting to. It feels like this is what the directors and writers like. And, and we're yeah, seeing a lot of that. Because like she has something like the dildo or something like non-breakable. And she like tosses it and you hear like a pot smash. <laughs> right. Like that old yeah. Classic it does pot smash sound. It's a sound cue that doesn't make any sense within the context of the movie. That's pretty much everything for part one, uh, everything. Uh, But there is a couple multiverses that we're introduced to. I think the most visually impressive for me, and I'm wondering if this stood out to you, film Dylan, was the um, Starlet version that we see where she didn't marry her husband. They went separate ways, and we're seeing her at a movie premiere. Um, Did anything from that stand out to you? Yeah, I, I think this might be one of the kind of linchpins of this movie as far as it's the universe that shows Evelyn what's there in her life as far as at least Wayman goes. And, and the there's a great sequence later in this movie where she kind of thinks back across the universes of how in all of these crazy times or like sad times, Wayman's just kind of this light who's always making jokes or like hitting a bell at the laundromat and asking people to guess the song or adding googly eyes around everywhere. It's sort of this one universe where she realizes what's already there in front of her. And it's done in this kind of great homage to movies like In the Mood for Love. I think the director's Wong Kar Wai. He's got his style all over it of like the like bleeding neon colors, and like the motion blurs and stuff like that. Like throughout that whole sequence, it felt pretty one for one with In the Mood for Love. So I think that was a big tip of the hat. But yeah, that's a pretty enjoyable universe as well as the just some of the sequences we get of Evelyn being that movie star and just kind of doing some of the martial arts that Michelle Yeoh 
has been seen doing before. Um, exactly. Yeah, a pretty mm-hmm. pretty enjoyable universe. Which, by the way, if we're starting to get into these alternate universes, I think that means we're past the point where we get a big end credits fake out. Did you guys fall for this at all? <laughs> so at about the hundred uh, an hour twenty minute mark, so it could plausibly be the end of the movie. But I'm like, there's no way. I didn't see anyone start to stand up. So. No, not at all. <laughs> not in this movie. The way this movie flew by, I, I did for a second think I was like, man, did it just end like that? Like, because it, it <laughs> ends with Evelyn dying. Like, she overloads from universe jumping so much after acquiring so many new abilities and battling endless goons. Like, I, I bought it for a second there. Honestly, there's a part of me that thinks if you end the movie right here, I have a really good time still. Like, I, I think I really enjoy this movie. It ends right there, too. There's a lot of stuff that would have been left totally undone and not resolved at all but i mean it would have been kind of ballsy i might i might have respected it a little bit i think it's very telling that you were like that universe where she's famous is like the one universe where it's kind of like the quintessential her and pappy was saying that's like the best universe to me when i was watching it that seemed like meta like that was the real like michelle yeah yeah yeah, Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, Michelle Yeoh. Like, that's a real her from, like, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, or, like, Rich, cra- what is it? Crazy, Crazy Rich Dude, Asians. they show her at the premiere of Crazy Rich Asians. I yeah, saw that. Right? poster yeah. in the background. The poster. Yeah. <laughs> so that's Earth. That's Earth 1. <laughs> yeah, Earth 616, if you will. <laughs> but I was thinking the same thing, and I thought it was really cool. I mean, with the exception of, like, her uh, kung fu training being so, like, uh hong kong like cinema you know like (laughs) it was like very like like what kill bill was trying to do right Mm -hmm. with her like having this like old wise like mentor that's like training her in these outrageous ways that has super buff yoked out pinkies right with like the fucking (laughs) huge yeah they don't (laughs) i was gonna mention the pinky they don't like rest on their laurels like there is like an earth would you say earth 616 where she's just like a movie star but then there's another one where she was, t- I think she was taught to use Kung Fu with like a cookie. And then another time where she uses Kung Fu with her pinky. And that's one of the best parts. That's one of like the lasting images for me, Corey, when she's like doing some sort of like squats or bench press just with the pinky. gets like a huge, yeah. it gets swole as hell. It's uncomfortably big. <laughs> it's like the rock, but a pinky. Yeah, dude. Right? All of the rocks. Dwayne The Rock Johnson's mass is in her pinky in that part of it. Film Dylan, you mentioned uh, how it's reminiscent of In the Mood for Love. This part two everywhere is a version of Evelyn that's just like drenched in red, which really reminded me of that. But this part two, like I said, it comes after the 90 minute mark. This is a two hour and 20 minute movie, so it's, it's pretty long. But this is where things really start to get crazy. Were there any of the like cartoon pinata you mentioned the rocks like when she's trying to connect with her daughter in this part which i think is like really the heart of this part and embracing optimism which she gets from her husband but were there any of those like crazy trippy parts that piqued your interest i would say uh, i i enjoyed the, the sort of universe jumping like quick flashes of her and joy honestly this this part is where the movie loses me 
a little bit. There's there's a certain point, and I, maybe it's just diminishing returns on the randomness or unpredictable nature of bringing in the like statistical and probability things that allow you to get new powers or stuff like that. But at a certain point, it felt like some decisions were a little bit random for random sake. And I don't, I don't necessarily see this as a huge negative of, on this movie. I still come out pretty positive on it. But at, there was, there was a couple moments here and there where I was like, I, I think The Rocks was one of the major ones that hit me. Where in a movie where I had just been having like so much fun on this kind of roller coaster ride, a lot of movies could take this turn into like I don't know something meditative almost, and I would enjoy it. But for whatever reason, this one didn't fully land with me with The Rocks and stuff like that. I had more fun exploring. The alternate universes of uh, Rakakui, for instance, <laughs> or uh, or the hot dog yeah. one. I mean, th- those are more fun to me where they just take one concept and inject it into a world. Sort of the quick flashes as far as the editing style goes. I don't know. Some of it felt like it was going a bit too far, but that's taste to me. I, I-, I can't say that's a- objectively anything wrong with the movie. So, Dude, when I saw Rakakuni... I was like, Pappy and Stevie need to watch this movie. (laughs) That's why I sent a message to the group thread immediately after seeing it. I didn't want to spoil that, but I was like, those two guys need to see this joke. This joke works so fucking well. (laughs) I'm glad you like it, Corey. I didn't know, like, my thought seeing that was, this is the kind of joke that Corey wouldn't like. You you did enjoy the raccoon under the chef hat? Yeah. Yeah. Well, first I saw the dude had a raccoon tail and I was like, ah, that dude's wearing one of those stupid raccoon hats. <laughs> and then it's a fucking raccoon doing ratatouille. He's in the Davy Crockett universe, apparently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. I always forget that name, man. I'm feeling a little bit of what Dylan is throwing down with the movie sagging just a little bit in this section. And hmm. for me, I kind of put my finger on it like, the first time and even second and third time you see these alternate universes and there's actually kind of a finite number they show there's like probably like seven to ten prominent ones it it becomes clear in this middle section that they're kind of repeating those same ones instead of like all new ones and so i think you start to drag on them a little bit but i don't i don't want to give everything away back in the third act almost all of them just completely pay off and you forget about that feeling. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's one in particular that I find interesting. We've talked about Jamie Lee Curtis. There's one where Evelyn is in a lesbian relationship with Jamie Lee Curtis, but it's all taking place in this multiverse where hot dog fingers are a thing. And Jamie Lee Curtis is quite elegantly playing Claire de Looney which is playing in the background of this pod. You, you've heard it before. Lunet, as the French would say. Um, Dylan, what do you think the point of that one is? Like, I That one felt a little bit too much for me. Not in the sense that it's so far out of bounds, but that, that was too silly for me. You know what I mean? I feel like you can be more creative than it's our universe, but hot dog fingers. Like The sky is the limit. I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of with you there. That, that felt a little too random and silly did you get that same vibe yeah i can see where you're coming from i think i well for one thing one of my favorite jokes in this movie at least as far as reference based jokes go is what josh coined the initial battle the last alliance of the the hot dog finger monkeys (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah i mean that is a great joke with the 2001 reference i i thoroughly enjoy that i thought we were going to be abandoning that world after the initial exploration of it 
and instead they they do delve into this relationship. I, I get the feeling that yeah, like the directors and they they basically. I imagine they just sat down one day and they're like, all right, we've got this multiverse movie idea. They've got all the bones. Today's the day where we just get to throw down like 20 funny multiverse ideas. And at some point, one of them was just looking around and they're like, it's our world, but uh, I don't know. They've got hot dogs for fingers. And they probably both just busted up laughing at the idea of that and injected into this movie. Like, I, I, I think the directors probably had a lot of fun, just like almost in an inside joke kind of way of what, between themselves they were like cracking up thinking of when coming up with some of these multiverse ideas and that to me feels like the the best example of that um i don't know every time they would cut back to it i'd get a chuckle or two just like at the look of these hot dog fingers but i can see what you mean about it being a little bit too silly without like really deviating in a meaningful way from just a regular world at the same time Mm -hmm. were you guys pulling down any trey parker matt stone vibes off of some of this stuff like they're well known for they they would totally do like a hot dog fingers like love scene (laughs) right and they would they're totally known for just like playing things into the ground until they become funny again yes i i was thinking of south park during this movie yeah it it does feel like that there are a lot of things in this movie that i thought were just a one-off reference and almost everything comes back Right, like the hot dog fingers thing comes back, the butt plug thing comes back, even the raccoonie thing. That was just Evelyn, the mm-hmm. lead, remembering the name of Ratatouille incorrectly earlier in the movie, <laughs> and that's another multiverse. I just like how things come back around in it. Like they, they seem to do that very well. I'm more interested in the universe where things are like a child's crayon cartoon or a pinata or people are rocks. Like the idea of that, like hot dog fingers to me, that feels like the first five minutes of brainstorming (laughs) and I I would hope we would move beyond that a little bit, but you know, I love pap dogs. So who, who am I to say, but Josh, I want to go back to the starlet universe quickly. I think the heart of this movie and I think a big part, best part of the movie, best part of this is the. Th- there might even be some intergenerational differences in younger people today, and I'm getting super broad. Which, which, this doesn't apply to everybody, but with global warming, gl- growing up post 9/11, maybe there is more of a sense of nihilism today in America's youth, and the best line in the movie when I choose to see the good side of things I'm not being naive 
I'm being strategic and necessary. Did that hit home to you at all as a father of, of multiple daughters? <laughs> the, the case for optimism here. The case for optimism and treating being nice and humble basically as an equally powerful instrument as being mean or angry or violent. This is how I fight. I yeah. love it. And this is how I win. I right. yeah, it's pretty epic and I love the turn that like Evelyn throughout this movie has just been like I'm being held back. It's Joy's fault for being queer. It's my dad's fault for being overbearing. It's my husband's fault for being a pushover. And then like this turn in the movie where she's like she's obsessed with herself as an actress. Like she basically just wants to like escape real reality and just go like live in this crouching tiger, hidden dragon, crazy rich Asians universe, Earth six one six. Yeah, which is well set up too because Evelyn loves the movie at the beginning of the movie, right? Where she's watching yeah. some like The King and I or something yeah, like that. That's true. But then the turn that like, if she wasn't with Waymond he would be wildly successful and she's been actively holding him back the whole time mm-hmm. that is cool that's what gave me goosebumps and that in conjunction with like the speech he gives about just being nice, which is such a fucking simple thing. It's so powerful in this movie. It's pretty amazing. He cleans up nicely, too. He looks good in his suit and those glasses. Because when we see him in a lot of the movie, like his attire is like so so schlubby. He has, you know? a, he has a fanny pack. It's a big part of the movie. <laughs> it's his weapon. But he's so cool, though, about it. Like He's so like nice and humble and like this is the kind of dude that everyone would just fucking love. I swear. Like, he's so lovable and likable. And if he doesn't show up in the new fucking Indiana Jones, I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know if you see him at Star Wars Celebration tomorrow. But, Corey, the fight with kindness. Evelyn has this turn, right, where she's now not going to respond with violence. She's going to almost give the best multiverse version of herself to each of these antagonists, these like uh, bagel obsessed people who she interacts with. Did that work for you where she's solving the problems by being nice? Yes, dude. I loved it. It was so good. It was so many things in this movie made me happy. Happy. I really like seeing her do that. You know, she has like a different solution, obviously, for each each of her opponent's problems, right? One guy, she like fixes his spine problem with like some whatever fucking kung fu technique. She like unlocks his chakras and he feels better. My favorite one, though, is like <laughs> oh, yeah. two of the people coming at her as like a man and a woman is like she like snaps her fingers and like their husband and wife at a wedding and like they, they kiss and it's just like... They just got married. It's like these two people needed love in their life and like <laughs> they fit together. I don't know. It's just, it's great. It really is great. 
like it's like you guys were talking about like the joys aspect of things about living in every universe at the same time is just one of pure nihilism which seems like an easy road to uh, go down if you're in that kind of position but uh evelyn's like awakening is that i don't know it's like it's one of acceptance and of uh i don't know just really taking it for the best of everything as opposed to the worst of everything. And that's really cool to me. I love how they like delay the raccoon ratatouille like payoff. Like that's like one of the last plot lines to get us all. <laughs> she's like, I can carry you. And he's like pulling her hair and like directing her. It's fucking great. I can carry you. <laughs> yeah, I, that part, it, I lost focus a little bit during that part because I was... I realized that that was filmed in Simi Valley. Like I knew exactly where that was no when they were in that in that parking lot. Have you it's been to Simi that Valley parking Town lot Center. before? Oh, many times, dude. Hmm. It's like right by like where this comic shop used to be here in Simi that I used to go to all the time. But uh, so like during that moment, I'm like you know I'm enjoying like how everything's paying off and stuff. But I'm like, oh fuck, that's the parking lot, <laughs> and then like. <laughs> Everyone in the theater, once they say that this place is in Simi Valley, there's like a murmur in the theater. Right? I'm in Simi Valley. So everyone's like, this is Simi Valley, Simi Valley. And then like when stuff in Simi Valley comes up, you get like, kind of get that again. Like, oh, that's, that's over there on First Street. So, <laughs> Dude. so I don't know if you guys have ever been to a theater or like watching a movie in a theater and they mention like the city that you are in. It's like, it's exciting. It adds an extra like buzz. I don't think I ever have that. That sounds pretty exciting. I guess it pretty meta. Were there any Simi Valley highlights that you would recommend to a tourist who haven't been there? Uh, if I was traveling to Simi Valley, what should I see? <laughs> the Ronald Reagan library Ooh. is our, our main attraction. <laughs> Presidential library library. Uh, that's really all we got though. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just a regular city. Like any other we got, some strip malls, <laughs> a lot of churches. Film Dylan, I want, I want, I want you to close this out here. I, I like how the ending of the movie. At one point, the family is literally holding Joy back from nihilism, right? Like it's the her mother, and then her father, and then her husband farther down the line. But we get these like three generations of Chinese immigrants to America holding their youngest daughter back from nihilism. But at some point they do, she does just let me go. And Joy does embrace that, but she's able to talk her daughter back. What were your feelings towards the end of the movie here? Film done. Was this a cathartic ending for you to part two everywhere? Yes and no. I'll be honest. I, I really, really like this movie, but when it gets into some of the giant, themes and messages that it's going for like I kind of alluded to earlier that's where it starts to lose me and that's not really this movie's fault I don't I don't really know how to chalk this up but it's not this movie's fault that its first hour is so much fun with the insanity of the like the the jumping and the, the power acquiring and stuff like that that when it starts to get into these huge themes and ideas I'm like yeah but I, I kind of want to just get back to when Wayman has to paper cut himself four times before he gets killed like I, I can't really hold that against this movie that it's just 
I love the start of it so much that when it actually wants to say the deep things it wants to say, I'm like, eh, I like the fun stuff. But for what it's worth, I, I think it lands that pretty well, even if it doesn't necessarily reson resonate with me of kind of delivering this message of like, hey, maybe the world is, or maybe the universe rather, is this giant tapestry where nothing matters. But even if that's the case, at the end of the day, I'd still want to be right here with you and with this family. Like that's a pretty well said message of like taking you out to this giant scale and then honing in on what really matters, like what you found in this universe that means something to you and somebody that actually appreciates you. So I think, you know, kind of seeing everything wrap up in the in the part three of this and like Evelyn kind of realizing what she has and getting that second chance, it works pretty well even if I have more fun in the roller coaster of the first half of this movie. Yeah, dude, that moment with Waymond when she's when Evelyn is Michelle Yeoh, essentially, and she takes him out to the alley like you were talking about, and uh, she says, you know, our life would have been just doing taxes and running a laundromat, and it would have been bad, and we would have been unhappy and poor. And, and the way he delivers his response, you know, when he's like in that nice suit, smoking a cigarette with those cool glasses, lit in the alley, and he says, you know, I would have loved to just do taxes and run a laundromat with you. Yeah. Fuck. Such a strong emotional yeah. beat. You're able so to have good. that one for one comparison of like how much happier he is in that life. Even though divorce is on the table, like he just seems like this happy go lucky guy. And in this universe, he's kind of this melancholic actor type who's, I don't know, doesn't seem to really be enjoying things too much. Right. He's kind of more detached, yeah. right? Mm. Yeah. The joy that is Waymond is lost when he's not with her. That's a good observation. He's smoking the cigs, and I think that's kind <laughs> of a symbology too. Like he's just trying to kill himself out there slowly. Mm -hmm. What's the symbology there, man? <laughs> For real. I think Josh. I think Film Dylan had a valid criticism. Were the themes of this movie diluted at all by the silliness and craziness of the the premise for you? I, I think it lands it here at the end for me. I like everything that's coming to a head, but I can see how it's like, you know, we had a really cool premise. We we didn't really explore all too much. We're more interested in this intergenerational relationship with the yeah. family. Did, did, did it hit home with you? Did you feel the feels at the end of the movie? I did. It's hard to explain why though, right? Like it just doesn't. And I heard the directors talking about this and they have this short film because these directors, they call them like the Daniels or something. Um, Dan Kwan, Dan Shiner. Um, the Daniel the, brothers. The Daniel brothers. <laughs> they, they're not brothers at all, by the way. Uh, no. Yeah. They have this short film called, it's just called like Puppets, I think. And it's supposed to be like the silly fight scene between these puppets that gets kind of weirder and weirder. But then they started adding these like sweet sentimental aspects to it. And they realized that there was like for? something Let's their work together. There's something to like this ludicrous, absurd silliness 
that can somehow attach to like the big big issues and like if you just add a little slice of sincerity here and there like people can connect to it despite the absurdity and i thought that was pretty cool i don't i get what they're saying i don't understand how that works in my brain like psychologically like brother jordan's not here to explain that to us pap (laughs) but i think that's pretty cool formula you know Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of disarming in a way right where you're my step i I watched this with my stepbrother at a 9 30 p.m showing on a tuesday and he went totally blind He's like, dude, that was the wildest fucking ride I've ever been on. I thought this was going to be a family drama for the first 20 minutes. I had right. no idea yeah. where this was going. And so, like, if, if you can give this movie to someone who has no context for it, it's going to be a crazy ride. And I think you're going to resonate with the themes of, you know, anti-nihilism, pro-optimism, pro the family, the universe that you're living in now and responding with kindness. So I... I to me, I think it does work, and it does land it. And and I think that all of the you know goofiness and themes and you know or, or like silliness, I'm not as interested in the multiverse as I am in like what's it like to relate to your parents or your grandparents type thing. That's a much more interesting topic to me, and I can code it in this like sci-fi, interesting, very. 21st century narrative I think works really really well but I don't want to tip my hand too much to yes or no's are there any other final thoughts for everything everywhere all at once I was listening to a podcast about this movie by the Atlantic and the main host, her name's eluding me, but she uh, is Asian American and she just like so relate. I've heard this over and over again from Dan Kwan as well. One one of the two directors and from other people like the, the immigrant experience and being a child of immigrants or being first or second generation American is like huge part of this movie. The Asian experience. I could tell you all about it <laughs> as a second generation Japanese man myself. Please do, Corey. No, I actually can't. Go no, ahead. <laughs> I, I hope that you can and that you would if you felt like it. But this this lady from the Atlantic on this podcast, like she started crying on the pod when she was thinking about the part in this movie, Everything Everywhere, where the grandpa just starts speaking perfect English to the daughter. And she was like, she's had that thought where if her grandpa could speak English or she could speak Mandarin, then they could like actually connect and not have to speak in these like broken English fragment segments. And yeah, so I just thought that was like really powerful, even though that's not my experience. This is a very Asian movie for sure. And uh, I'm glad that this isn't getting the like, oh, it's woke because there's not... (laughs) It doesn't star white people. I'm glad I haven't heard like murmurs of that anywhere because I'm fucking done with that shit. <laughs> hey, there's a lesbian couple. It's woke. <laughs> <laughs> I just thank God that wasn't a topic of conversation that I ever stumbled across. But James Hong is the grandfather. We haven't mentioned that particularly. Mm. We have said that he's in it. Yeah. Good point. 
Uh, he's fucking amazing. Lopan, James Hong, like this dude is a legend. Yes, Lopan. He's like funny and cool and like, I don't know how this dude is still doing it, but he's still doing it like just as cool as ever. I fucking love this dude. And I love his like fax machine mech suit that he has inexplicably at the end of the movie. Like, how does he have this? I don't know. I don't fucking care. He has it and it's fucking dope. It's like his Ripley, like I'm going to fight an alien, but it's made out of like a dot matrix printer. (laughs) It looks like the end of aliens for sure. (laughs) You're right. It feels like, Corey, I, I do. Are there any sort of themes? Like, Does that resonate with you at all as a part Asian American because I feel like there's this huge pent up demand right and when things like crazy rich Asians or this come out there are cultural phenomenons everyone loves them it feels like the Asian American experience hasn't been sufficiently told in film and there's a lot of like I said pent up demand towards that do you feel that at all or am I is that I mean, I think for a long time in Hollywood, like Asians have kind of been like shortchanged in movies. Um, I think there's definitely stereotyping and there's just not a lot of like, um, I don't know, how do you say this? Like well-marketed movies starring Asians until like maybe the last 10, 20 years or maybe even less time than that. I don't really know, but I'm I'm just glad that, you know, uh, this movie exists and others like it exists. I, I remember going into Shang-Chi last year, was it? Thinking that the main character was going to behave a certain way because I had a fucking Asian stereotype in my head that I don't know how it got there, dude. I'm Asian. Media. (laughs) Media is how it got there. I thought he was going to be like a stoic hard ass. Mainstream film (laughs) is how it got there. (laughs) I'm just joking. But anyway, like, I, I don't know. Like, it's cool. It's good to see. You know, I don't I don't want to go into the woke conversation shit, but, you know, it, it's cool. Let people make movies and let them do the things that they're naturally good at. This movie shines in a lot of ways. It's got an all-Asian cast. It works really well. I like it a lot. One of the moments that the directors really keyed in on as, like, quintessential of the Asian experience is when Joy and Evelyn have this moment in the parking lot where it's just, they're just kind of like looking at each other and they're about to say bye and they love each other and don't know what to say. And Evelyn just spews out all this BS about how Joy needs to getting stop. Fat. Yeah, she's getting yeah. fat, needs to stop like talking so much, probably says she needs to brush her teeth more or something like that. <laughs> and get better grades. Yeah. The two Dans were visiting Dan Kwan's parents and this was like way back earlier in their careers and as they were leaving the house Dan Kwan's mother did that same shit to him and on like the right away his other buddy Dan was like dude are you like okay and like Joy in this movie after it happens they did a pickup shot so she could be in the car sad and it's like it really works but in real life, Dan Kwan was like, oh, yeah, I didn't even really like notice it. It was just like par for the course. That's how they always are. <laughs> well, that's part of it, too. It's like that, that's how she expresses love to us. Right. Yeah. And even at the end of the movie, she doesn't change on that point. She's like, hey, you need to grow out your hair. <laughs> my daughter's girlfriend. Like, you know what I mean? And <laughs> that's my way of knowing that I care about you. I care about, like, you know, the way that you look and, you know. 
it's my way of telling you I love you. But and I see you is something that kept coming back. To, like I, I see mm-hmm. you, I'm present, and like it's too awkward to pay you a compliment. So I'm gonna say this like kind of fucked up thing instead. <laughs> I guess, which is just, like so much of what her family wants, right? Is just be present. You know, like acknowledge yeah. what I'm saying, respond to it, like be here for me. Um, but let's get into yes or no's. I'll go first. A24 movie. I don't think we've said that yet, but this is a hard, hard yes for me. Um, I fucking love the shit out of seeing this movie. I, I didn't go in totally blind like my stepbrother, but I wasn't pretty blind. I knew there was some universe jumping aspects of it, but I think this is this movie is threading a very thin needle of cultural commentary, comedy, and action. And it pulls it off in a very fantastic and interesting visual way. I really enjoy how we're seeing different, you know, mediums of film sometimes getting meta on the actors' lives to tell the story of like a multiverse. And I'm not crazy about the multiverse concept like i said but i think this movie pulls it off as well as possible i i I love the references i think it's super interesting um i would recommend this movie to anybody and it's a hard yes for me uh let's go east to east so Corey, josh film dylan can we start calling it when we do that can we start calling it like eastest to west foldest or something like that (laughs) can we just call it the west West fold West Foldus to Eastus. Yes. Corey, <laughs> you go next. Uh, yeah, this is Corey, Kylo Ren memes. Most West Foldest. I will be falling first, <laughs> probably. I think this movie is really great. I loved it. I absolutely love this movie when I saw it. And it took me by surprise because it's way better of a movie than the trailers make it out to be. Although I'm glad that I wasn't oversaturated with trailers for this like I am with other fucking movies. Like sometimes you see a trailer so much that you just start to like hate something. Really glad I just saw this here and there. I'm glad this movie also came out before Doctor Strange. I think that's really important for this movie. Another part of me is sad that it came out after the Spider-Man movie, which also dealt with the multiverse. But I want to say this, I want to get it off my chest. This is one of the first things I thought of when I saw this movie. To any, like, fucking pea-brain film critic or, like, whatever common moviegoer out there that says everything is Marvel, you can shut the fuck up. <laughs> and I know I said that on our Northman podcast as well, Pappy, but, like, mm-hmm. there's great shit out there. And it seems to be, yes, being made by one studio, but still, it's out there. <laughs> this movie's a great example of that. I mean, there's... It's just so creative. It's so cool. It's so nice to see an original property like this that just does so much and it hits all the genres and it hits all the beats and it's just so fucking well made technically. Great performances. What a fucking comeback from this guy that was Data in the Goonies, who was always my favorite because I'm Asian and he's a little Asian kid and he's got all the gadgets. I still love this guy. He's awesome, man. He's a fucking Kung Fu expert. He's amazing. I don't know. I, I'm gushing now, so I'll just say it's a yes. Before we go to you, Josh, I just want to add, I also very hardly co-sign on the message of this movie. Nihilism is a trap. Optimism is strategic and necessary. 
And I, I really appreciate it for that. But Josh, go ahead. Dr. Jones, cover your heart! Oh, I love Short Round so freaking much. That's one of my best cinematic memories ever. Watching yeah. Temple of Doom with best friend Drew Rockland. Um, I think one thing I wanted to say during this whole pod that I didn't ever get a chance to is Joy is kind of like, or I guess I should say Jobu, but the evil Joy is kind of like Rick Sanchez from Rick and Morty. With the nihilism, with like the control yep. over the nihil- the multiverse, and just like her attitude, I feel like. So I don't know. That's another cartoon reference for me. This pod, Edgar Wright said that if you are a person that like complains about the originality in film right now, and you don't see this movie, you're a fool. <laughs> and I think that's a pretty yep. cool quote. And Last quote that I think is just amazing is going back to director Dan Kwan. I think he said that his grandparents owned a laundromat and you hit it on it earlier, Pap, like when they're in the IRS, that's like the least place you'd imagine like a cool, interesting scene playing out. And Mm -hmm. what Dan Kwan said is like, he would love it if, he could just put like a little nugget in like the cultural subconscious that is like, you could look at an Asian owned laundromat and see the multitudes in it, which are inherently there with all people, I think. And I think that's a really cool message and just like kind of a, a really sincere note that the director had like in his heart while making this. And that's, that's pretty cool. And it turned out, extremely well I think this is my favorite of the multiverses movies Spider-Man Infinity War Stranger Things even though that's not a movie and I like all that other stuff I I think this is my favorite one so yeah Vigo yes hard yes for Josh and last but not least the proprietor of the City Study Podcast (sighs) a podcast which has never been a better time to subscribe to. I, I think you're really hitting your stride. Like I said, the long goodbye is like one of the best podcasts you've ever done. But Film Dylan, <laughs> what do you say to everything, everywhere, all at once? All right. Well, I'm going to round this out with a yes. I think I'm probably of the group the softest yes, but it's still a yes. Um, I don't know. I think I, I do like almost day by day go back and forth on aspects of this movie and i think it's a testament to just how jam-packed with content this movie is like for any movie of whatever this exact runtime is this probably has the most just stuff in it (laughs) if if that makes any sense Mm -hmm. um this movie was number one on letterbox for quite a long time actually i don't really think it should be anywhere near the top spot i mentioned that in my letterbox review but I, that doesn't take away from the fact that it's a really fun time at the movies, which is the other thing I said in my review. Um, you know, just to get my kind of critique summed up and out of the way before I go back to the stuff I like, I do think this movie takes some turns into like, let's be random for random sake. And when I get that vibe from the movie, that's where it tends to lose me rather than when I feel pretty seamlessly like taken in with the the fun mechanisms of jumping universe to universe. Like, that just feels a little bit better integrated into the story than some of the editing tricks that are pulled or 
some of the alternate universes that are ex explored. I think the best example of that would be the bagel. Like, wh why is it a bagel? I don't know why it's a bagel, but it just feels like one of those decisions that's made, like it just adds an extra little quirk. So that is, is not necessarily with my taste, but um, you know, I, I can't say it necessarily dilutes this movie for me. That's something you mentioned earlier, Pappy, that I found really interesting is like, it's hard to tell if this movie delivers its message extremely well or if it's diluted by just the massive amount of stuff, like I've mentioned a couple of times now, that it's throwing at you. And I think it really boils down to a case-by-case -case basis. Like, this is a, a, a big message. There's a lot of components thrown into it. It's this giant mosaic of stuff surrounding that message. And it's like, it's just going to be up to you and your taste if you walk away at the end and you feel really moved by this. Or if you walk away and you don't like it. Or if you walk away and you're like, hey, I just enjoyed all of the fun like explorations of crazy universes that we just went on. It's a movie with great action. It's a movie that more so than any movie I can think of of recent memory, you can just see the amount of work that must have gone into this movie, into this script, into the production, into the editing. Like this must have been a massive undertaking. Um, I think it has a lot of fun with references that you don't usually see. Like how many times do we see a comedic nod to in the mood for love? Like <laughs> I think this is the only example of that. I can never think of. Like I say, it's hard for me to make full heads or tails, but it's still a yes. I have a lot of fun with this movie. I especially have fun with everything leading up to that end credits fake out, man. That that portion of the movie, it just really gets me going. I love that stuff. Um, and yeah, like you guys were saying with A24, like maybe every now and then their movies tend to revisit things that their movies have already visited. Like there's kind of the classic thing of A24 has one ending that they go to about every other movie like uh-oh cult they joined the cult <laughs> and like i don't know i think a24 is ultimately needed like they produce some mm -hmm. of the most original stuff we're gonna get and if you're already getting sick of that formula i think this will shake you up in a pretty fun way so yes for me sorry i might have gotten a little bit rambly there as i went back through my thoughts but uh yeah yes for me and and uh thanks for having me on this pod to talk about it i really had fun talking about love it, it. Always love talking to you, film Dylan. Two super quick things on what you just said. I think it does invite a rewatch, though, so maybe definitely. that would lend itself to digging those themes a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I agree. It's definitely not one of the best movies of all time, but maybe one of the best movies of 2022, which is saying a lot. And I think it'll be a juggernaut. I think this movie will continue to gain like fans and a giant cult following through the years. Like The fact that it's got this reaction so immediately after coming out is a pretty good sign of things to come. Agree. Corey, I know you have to leave. I have a, a yes or, or a super quick trivia, closest to. Can you stay for that? I promise it'll be fast. Yes. All right. Let's go. What year did the Joy Luck Club come out? Winner, since this is spoiler man. Corey, you go first. 1994. Film Dylan. The book, Joy Luck Club. Uh, oh, the book or the movie? Sorry, the book. The book. What year did the book come out? Corey, you want to re-guess? Oh, 1982. Okay. Film Dylan? I have no idea. 79. Okay. Josh? I would say 90. It is a classic story of intergenerational relationships between Asian American immigrants. Josh, you're the closest. It came out in 1989. So Let's go. Throw it to Spoiler Man for us. Spoiler Man, don't make Google eyes. Please. <laughs> Adios. Special thank you to our patrons. 
Nick, Brother Brian, Matt Troll, The Meg, David, Nurse Stacy, Druid King, Please check us out on patreon.com slash spoilers podcast. That was spoilers.